Well, this is uh, the last sermon in our series, Christmas in Chaos. Uh, it's the last Sunday of 2020, and um, you know, I was thinking back to the beginning of this year, um, and heading into 2020, we really had no idea what was in front of us. And uh, I remember preaching a sermon called 2020 Vision and, and talked about following God, but we had no idea the, the wilderness or the exile that this journey was going to take us on in 2020. And so uh, maybe uh, 2020 couldn't come to an end soon enough for some of us. But peeking into 2021, we realize, especially after this year, um, that we are not in control of this journey, that, that God is in control, and we don't know exactly where this next year will take us. Advent is a season of waiting, and we talk about waiting, and, and we talk about waiting for uh, the birth of Jesus, but we also talk about uh, waiting for the second coming of Christ. And uh, even though this Advent season is over and we're now in this season of Christmas tide, um, the truth is that in a lot of ways, the waiting continues for us. Theologically speaking, we continue to wait for the return of the King, for the return of Jesus to um, bring this uh, project, uh, this redemption project to its final conclusion. Pandemically speaking, we wait for numbers to come down, uh, the distribution of vaccines. We wait for life to settle down into whatever this uh, new normal will look like. As we take a look at this this morning and take a look at our text from Romans 8, uh, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this season. It has been very different. Uh, the Advent season was, was different than we uh, typically anticipate. Uh, Christmas Eve was very different for many of us. Christmas Day was different than what we usually look forward to. And waiting is hard. Lord, would you speak to each of us this morning through your word, through the scripture. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I had to give a title to this sermon this morning, it would be The Waiting Continues. And I have to confess from the very beginning that I am not a patient person. Um, waiting is not something I do very uh, well at. And so this text this morning, which is on waiting, is kind of tough for me. Paul is into a deep treatise on salvation, what salvation looks like here in Romans chapter 8. And at the beginning of chapter 8, uh, Paul says this, Therefore, there, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. And Paul goes on to talk about being free from slavery, uh, slavery to sin, slavery to death. 
um, and talks about our adoption as sons and daughters of the Father. And then we get into the the text that, that Kathy read for us this morning in verse 18, where Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to revealed to us. And we know, historically speaking, that, that Paul was uh, writing to Christians living in a very difficult situation, living in the middle of the Roman Empire and dealing with um, emperors coming and going, deal with, dealing with persecution, rising and falling, and, and all kinds of things happening in their community. In verse 19, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. Creation is is waiting, is longing for the fulfillment, the the completion of everything. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. What Paul is doing is actually taking us back uh, to the very beginning of Scripture, back to creation uh, in Genesis, where the whole creation was made good. Remember, God would create different parts of creation, and he would look down and he would say, this is good, this is good, this is good. But humanity messed things up in our, in our desire to decide and, and, and do things for ourselves rather than cooperate with God's plan. It's uh, a, a decision that, that Adam and Eve made in the garden, but it's a decision that we all make in our own lives too, to do things on our own. And it messes everything up. Creation itself, then, is groaning, longing, waiting to get back to the way things were meant to be. So we ask, well, what is creation waiting for? Um, New Testament scholar N.T. writes, puts it this way. He says, it's to put to rights, waiting for creation to be put to rights. Humanity was given the task of stewarding creation, of bringing further creative order and highlighting the beauty of creation. I know that I uh, tend to use a lot of gardening analogies, uh, and and so here's another one. Uh, I don't want to get away from that in this new year. Um, There's uh, two farmers, one named uh, Joel Salatin, who has a farm down in... uh, Uh, Stanton, Virginia, and another farmer, Mark Shepard, who has um, a farm out in the Midwest. And both of these uh, farmers have uh, looked at the way creation works on its own. How, how do things uh, flow? How, do, how are things woven together? How do things work in cooperation with one another? And one of the things that they've observed is that if you go to um, out in, in the Midwest where the buffalo live and where they, they roam and, and typically, traditionally, where they lived, or if you look at the water buffalo that live on the Serengeti, 
One of the things they've noticed is that there's little birds that often follow the buffalo and, and have this symbiotic relationship with the buffalo to, to eat the bugs, eat the flies that tend to come around these uh, animals. And uh, some of these birds actually thrive on uh, the fly larva that's in the, the buffalo manure, which is kind of gross. Um, but what these farmers have realized is that there is this uh, symbiotic created order, this, this natural beauty to the way things, to the way God has set creation up. And so these guys have figured out ways of mimicking nature's order in their farming practices. And so both of these gentlemen have uh, pastured beef, cows, out in, in the pasture. And they kind of move them every day, kind of mimicking what creation would do, what nature would do with predators moving animals uh, across the plains. And what these guys do is they follow these beef, these cows, uh, behind with chickens. And the chickens kind of take the place of these little birds that are out in nature. And the chickens hunt and peck through the manure and they, they eat the fly larvae and they help spread the... Um, um, brown gold around the uh, pastures. Um, it creates uh, a situation where there's fewer flies and less stink. Uh, these guys also tend to use pigs uh, to stir their compost piles in the winter because a pig wants to do what a pig wants to do. They want to root around. They want to uh, find the little bits of uh, food and stuff that are in these piles. And so these farmers use that to their advantage to turn the manure piles. Um, other types of farming might rely on a tractor and uh, to turn manure piles, but these guys get their manure or their compost piles turned plus the added benefit of bacon. Um, so in my world, that's a, a win-win situation there. Um, Mark Shepard is actually in the long process of converting his farm over to perennial crops like fruits and nuts to feed his animals. Uh, and he works with different species of plants to fix nitrogen and att attract pollinators and, and beneficial insects to reduce pests. What these guys have found out is that there is a, a beauty and an order to creation, longing and waiting for the sons and daughters to be revealed and continue the creative order making of creation. You might ask, well, what are we waiting for? Unfortunately, sometimes the church has acted as though the, the end game, the whole point of our Christian faith is to go somewhere when we die. Like the, the ultimate point is to grab a halo and, and, you know, this is kind of the, the cartoon picture of what heaven will be like, which I'm not really sure where they ever got these, these cartoon pictures, but they were always an angel sitting on a cloud with a halo uh, strumming a harp, which, you know, I, I liked playing a guitar, so if we could substitute uh, the guitar for the harp, maybe that'd be all right, but sitting on a cloud doesn't sound very um, fun to me. Uh, now, being in the presence of Jesus, that sounds wonderful. That sounds great. Second uh, Corinthians 5.8 does say that um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and so I, I believe that um, 
For those that are in relationship with Jesus, when we die, we are in the presence of Jesus, however that, that looks. But Scripture doesn't actually spend a lot of time telling us about how that works exactly, about what life right after death looks like. Instead, Scripture spends far more time talking about what the end will look like, what the culmination of things will look like. Again, um, N.T. Wright, the way he kind of talks about this, he says, life after, life after death. Scripture spends a lot more time looking at life after, life after death. Ultimately, our hope is for the return of Jesus, of King Jesus, to put all things to rights, to judge truthfully, to provide perfect peace and justice. And when Christ returns, we are told that the dead in Christ shall rise to meet him in the air, which is to say they are the, the first to welcome Jesus. Our hope is for, our, what we are waiting for is for the resurrection, for new resurrection bodies, physical and spiritual, not disembodied spirits floating around. What Revelation talks about is Eden restored. Humanity back in relationship with God. Humanity's original vocation, our original calling of stewarding creation restored. Of, of being co-workers with God. And in the meantime, our waiting continues. Our waiting for the return of Christ and all things to be made perfectly right. Uh, the waiting continues, a, a waiting for the end of sin and violence and, and death and injustice. And so how do we as the church, how do we, if we're in relationship with, with Jesus, how do we wait? What does it look like for us to wait well, one of the things I think we are called to do in this time of waiting is to continue to share the good news that Jesus has made the way possible for all of this to happen, that pandemic and, and social and, and racial violence will come to an end, that our brokenness and our, our sinfulness don't have to keep us separated from God any longer, that Jesus has made the way for us to be restored into relationship with the Father. That death itself no longer has a final say. So we need to continue to share the good news. I think another thing that uh, followers of Jesus need to do, that the church needs to do in this time of waiting, is continue to adapt. In the immediate uh, temporary way, as we continue to work with one another uh, to reduce the impact of COVID-19, we need to adapt. Uh, the pandemic is uh, expediting changes that were already happening in our culture. We, are, we were already in one of the biggest communication shifts since the invention of the printing press, and uh, this pandemic process has kind of increased the speed of that transition as we have relied on digital ways of connecting and, and doing business and, and doing schooling and, and all of that, uh, these shifts have been amplified. 
This has impacts on the way people hear the good news, but, but also on the way people think about the world and, and think about life. For, our, for a time, our ministry has shifted out of a um, building-focused way of doing ministry. Uh, the building has had limited uses for our ministry for a time. And maybe there are aspects that need to be carried forward. But I also think a way that the church needs to wait, wait for the return of Jesus, is to remain faithful to who Christ has called his church to be. Making disciples of all nations and baptizing them. This is something that the church is called to. And maybe uh, our ways of discipling, maybe the ways that we teach might change. But we are still called to help nurture people in this relationship, in this, in this walk with Jesus. Uh, of proclaiming the good news and, and helping them find their way into relationship with Jesus and, and following that up in obedience with, with baptism. You know, um, right now, we, we don't have our typical inquirers classes, which is part of our process for discipling, um, because we were doing that during our Sunday school hour. And right now, we don't have a, a Sunday school hour before the worship service or after the worship service. We don't have that Sunday school time. Instead, in the next uh, several months, we'll be having some classes online open to anyone to join. Anyone in the congregation can participate in that. And I hope some of our, our longtime members can join too and participate and, and share their insights into faith and, and walking with Jesus. And so uh, it's different, and yet we are still continuing to grow in our relationships with Jesus. Another way that we can remain faithful to who Christ has called the church to be is continue to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's still a part of what the church is called to do. We still have a, a need to, to reach out to those who are, are sick and hurting, who are in need of hearing the good news. A again, the pandemic has, has amplified the, the impact of uh, all kinds of things on our society. It has uh, further amplified the stratification of the haves and the, the have-nots in our society. Some have been more financially impacted than others because of shutdowns, because of uh, adjustments to, to businesses and things like that. And so we need to find ways to continue to love our neighbors. The truth is, is that our waiting continues. Waiting for the pandemic to come to an end. Waiting for Christ to return to make all things new. To establish a perfect peace and justice. To judge all things and people with truth. Waiting for resurrection. In verses 24 and 25 of our text. Paul writes this, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. 
Jesus, I have to confess that waiting with patience uh, does not come naturally. Talking about patience when we have been 10 months of um, being removed from normal, being removed from the things as we knew them, 10 months of um, not seeing one another in some cases, of shutdowns and closures, of adjustments and adapting. We also grow impatient for your return, God. We long for the day when everything will be made right. We long for the days when sickness and death and sin no longer have reign. We long for the completion of your kingdom project. Lord, in the meantime, help us to learn patience. To learn how to continue to speak and live the good news. To find ways of uh, adapting and continuing to minister to a world in need. Lord, help us to have patience. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to Paul also writes in uh, the book of Galatians. He says this, "Do not be deceived, God is not mocked for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh, but if you sow in the spirit, you will reap eternal life." From the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at a harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all and especially for those of the family of faith. Let us not grow weary in doing what is right. In preaching, living the good news, in making disciples of all nations, in loving God and loving others as ourselves. Let us not grow weary in doing what is right. Now the peace and the love of Christ surround you and carry you in hope until our Savior comes or until we meet again. Have a great week, Spring Creek.